Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, we're good? Great. So, I'm not, is it on yet? Am I on? Yeah, I can be heard. Cool. Well, he was on too. <laughs> well, welcome today. Thanks for coming. Uh, ushers taking the offering. Go ahead and come up and we'll pray for the offering. We'll get going. God, thank you for today and uh, thank you for everybody that came here today. Thank you for all that you're going to do with any of the money that any of us can give. Uh, we know that you can multiply it if you want to. You can do what you want with it and you just ask for us to make the sacrifice to give it to you. Please help us today to learn one thing. That's always the goal, is to learn one thing about you. Keep us safe and help us all to have a great day. Amen. Cool, so I got a couple announcements. We're going through this and then we'll get moving. So first, we've got one of our most exciting things of the year coming up on Sunday, June 11th at 11 a.m. I'm going to say it again because it's a little different. June 11th, you come to church at 11 a.m., okay? Because we're doing baptisms that day and baby dedications. So I'm going to say it one more time so we can all remember. Well, let's do it together. Can we do it together? What time do we come to church on June 11th? 11 a.m. So 11 on the 11th. If you come at 10, that's okay. Because we will just put you to work for an hour. So if you want to come at 10 to be put to work, please do. So in seriousness, so we've got sign-ups for baptisms and baby dedications at the Connections desk out in the lobby. We do still need volunteers and some food donations for that. So volunteers can sign up on the Church Center app if you have that on your phone. Uh, if not, I believe that the Connections desk can probably help you out with that. And honestly, if you showed up on Sunday morning, I'm confident we could find something for you to do, so don't worry about that. There is some food donation um, information on the wall out there. You can just tear off a little thing that shows you what you need to bring, because uh, we're doing food after church outside that day as a group, so it'll be really, it's always a fun day. Um, with the food, just make sure you bring those items to the church by June 4th, so that we can make sure we've got all of that ready to go and prepared, so we're not scrambling around at the last minute for that. So next thing I've got, excavation class. So I'll talk to you a little bit about this because it's probably my favorite class I've ever taken at church. So what excavation class is, is it's where we all come in, whoever wants to come to the class and signs up, you will get a book and there's a test in the back of the book. It's not a long test, it's not a pass or fail test, it's a test to help you learn about yourself. So the learning about yourself is really to understand what you're good at. So some people are really, really good at calling people on the phone and talking them through difficult situations. Probably not your guy, so if you call me, it's fine. But like, I'm not the expert in that. My wife is probably way better at that than me. But some people are really good and love like learning and reading and teaching people. It's probably more where I'm at, right? And so 
what the class helps you do is it helps you understand the areas that you're gifted in, what you've been given, right? And then the goal is to help you learn how to use those gifts. It, it's not a sales pitch to say, hey, you're good at these things, so we're signing you up to volunteer here. That's not, that's not the goal. Really, the goal of it is to help you say, hey, how was I built? How was I made? What's inside me? And how do I use what's inside me to push the kingdom of God forward? So the, the cool thing that I felt about it, and the biggest thing that I learned and the thing that's like stuck with me, and this has been years since I've taken this class, is that it's okay to not be good at everything, and there are some things that like you're just not built to do, but when I learned to focus on the things that I'm built to do and the things that I'm good at and kind of let the other things kind of fall by the wayside, it, it made me a lot happier, and I was able to say, hey, like I'm good at these things because this is the way I was made, and I learned that through that class to focus on, here's how I was built, here's where I'm good, focus on where you're good, rather than trying to say, well, I'm not empathetic, so I have to go learn how to do all this, or hey, I don't like to read, so, but I should really read more books because that's just what you're supposed to do, right? Maybe that's just not your thing. Maybe you're not a reader, and that's okay. So the class, it's in June. Uh, it'll start, I think, the week after baptisms. It's a three-week class. The cost is $15. It's not very much. The cost on that is to cover the cost of the book that you'll get. So uh, all the details are in the program, so if you got that, or in the Church Center app, you can take a look for more details. And again, Connections Desk, they know everything that's going on. I'm putting a lot on them, I know. But they usually know what's going on, so ask them if you've got questions on that, and they're happy to help out there as well. The last thing I've got on announcements before we get moving is if, so I'll tell you, I'm just going to shamelessly plug and ask for this. So our children's ministry, we need volunteers, okay? So kids are super, super important to our church. They're the future. They're kind of how we grow. They're, it's important that we've got a safe and good space for our kids. So we need people like you to come and help us with them. We've got op opportunities in the nursery, in the you know, three to five-year-old class, in the elementary class, and even you know, junior high and high school, we could always use more people as well. So Denise Voinovich, right here, raise your hand, Denise, and wave. She'll be out in the lobby after church today to kind of you know, answer any questions you have, to help you get signed up if you're interested in that. But I tell you, it's a fun time. It's a great time to go up there and hang out with those kids. You know, normally, I'm teaching junior high and high school, but sometimes I do need to go up and help with the elementary. And it's always fun. There's always something to do. Keep in mind, too. Remember, if you're not a teacher, because we just talked about this, right? You don't necessarily have to be the one that teaches up there. A lot of times, we need people just to be there to help with the kids, to help make sure that, like, hey, if one has to go out to the bathroom, that you walk them out there and walk them back in, and really just to hang out with them. Like, and if you've ever hung out with a kid before, you can probably do this, okay? But again, you don't have to be the teacher, okay? And I know people get scared by that. They're like, well, they're going to make me stand up in front of people and teach. No, not necessarily. If you want to, we will definitely find a spot for you, but if all it is is you are able to come up and hang out with the kids and be another person in that room, that's huge for us. So, interested, talk to Denise. I will end my sales pitch here. So, um, all right. So, you might be wondering who I am because I'm not the guy that's normally up here. Uh, my name is Nathan Reed. One of the questions I always get when I introduce myself is, do you prefer Nathan or Nate? The answer is, I don't care. So, you can choose what you want to call me you call me one of those things. My mom always calls me Nathan, so just keep that in mind if you ever see my mom, 
make sure we're, we're all on the same page because we got this, right? So normally on Sunday mornings, you can find me walking around. I'm doing teaching for junior high and high school. That's kind of the main thing that I do around here. I also try to make sure that we've got enough people in all the children's classes. And if there's a space where I got to fill in, sometimes I'll head up and fill in. So I hang out with Denise once in a while when there's only one person up there because, you know, one adult and like 15 elementary school kids, impossible, impossible. So I know she does it sometimes, but it's so much better to have two. So I make sure too that like the kids are safe, they've got programs and all that kind of stuff because again, safety of kids is super important and that's again why we want to have people up there with us. So what I wanna to talk to you about today is cycles in the Bible and cycles in our lives. One of the things we're talking about in the junior high and high school is we're looking at kind of an overview of the Old Testament. And the thing you notice really, really quickly when you open the Old Testament and start reading it, and you start in Genesis, even look in Exodus, all the books, especially when you get the first and second kings and they're talking about the kings that are out there, there are cycles. Everything is a giant cycle. And it's not always a great cycle, as you're gonna see in a few minutes, because usually the cycle is humans, do human things and are not super great, right? And then they go, ah, oh, we have God. This is fantastic. We can work with God and things are better. And then when things get better, humans go, ah, oh, it's all better now. We don't need God anymore. We're gonna do what we wanna do. And then what happens? Things get bad again and then humans go, oh, we need God. And so like that is the cycle you see consistently through the Old Testament, and honestly, you see that even in today's world. So, I think oftentimes in the Bible, you see humans, they, they really just get completely pushed into utter ruin, right? Because they've gone so far from God. So, we, a lot of us know the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah, where the cities were evil and God destroyed the cities because there was no redemption in the city. We remember the story of Noah and the ark, where God was like, okay, I made this, but there are like 10 people that are doing it right, and the rest of them, I don't even know what to do with them, so we're just gonna start over. We're gonna restart, right? And so you see that pretty consistently. Thankfully, I, I, it's been a long time since we've all been wiped out, and that's, that's good, I appreciate that. So, but I think looking at those cycles is important. Because it's also important to look at cycles in our lives. Because sometimes we get on a bad side of a cycle. Sometimes we get on the good side of a cycle. And what I think I want you all to understand today is that if it's bad, it's gonna get better. If it's great, be ready and be prepared because something's gonna happen, right? Not to say like wait for the other shoe to drop kind of thing, but like it's important to remember those cycles so we don't get too high or don't get too low. So right now, I have got some cycles in my life, right, that take place. So I've got four boys that are all under 10 years old, right? I've got a nine-year-old, five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, okay? Yeah, I know, it's a lot, it's a lot. So two, a couple of them play sports, right? And so there's cycles there, right? You've got a season that starts. You walk through games, the season that ends. You've got kids when they're growing up. Kids are a cycle in and of themselves, right? When you've got a newborn baby, there's a cycle you walk through. When you've got a toddler, there's a cycle you walk through. With our youngest right now, we're in the cycle where 
he can do things now, he can climb on things, but he has no fear. So he doesn't understand like the consequences of his actions, so he'll stand on the back of the couch and we're like, you trying to kill yourself? Because it appears that way. <laughs> and so we have to be like, oh, oh, and get you all the time, right? But he's, he's great, he's learning so many things. But that's the cycle he's in, that's the space we're in with these kids. Are, are these things gonna last forever? No. Are we gonna have to chase him and pull him off the top of the couch forever? No. When they get older, they'll stand on the back of the couch and they fall off, we say, well, that's your fault because you know better, right? I know those of you, the kids, know that because you're like, you gotta figure it out somehow. So, you know, and for me too, like I've, you know, one of the things I do, and a lot of you know, is I run. And so in running, there's always cycles, right? So when you're starting out training for something, you build, you build, you build, you build. And then you get to the peak and you conquer whatever you're trying to do, which is a race in my case. And then immediately after I have a big race, the cycle of my training goes to, I take a week off and don't run at all. And then I kind of start over, right? And I build up from the ground and build and build and build. And then I come back down. And sometimes cycles like that are healthy, right? It's healthy with your physical body once you've done something difficult and strenuous to allow time for rest, right? And then we see when God made the earth. He did a bunch of work, did a bunch of work, did a bunch of work, built it up, and then he rested, right? So you can see cycles like that. You can also see cycles in nature, right? It's spring now, kind of. It's Cincinnati spring, so we all know how that is. <laughs> it was cold this morning and cold last night too, right? And so I think it's always important as we run through cycles as children, as adults, as anybody, that we learn and we grow from every cycle, right? Think of the trees, right? You have a baby tree that grows. It cycles through the seasons. You know, it might have a couple leaves, loses two leaves in the fall. In the spring it grows back and it has 20. So it's consistently growing using that cycle of rebirth and death that it goes through. So cycles too are one reason like I really, really enjoy teaching kids around here because it's, it's kind of one of those Spider-Man situations where with great power comes great responsibility, right? Because when you're teaching kids and you have influence over kids, that's great power, right? But it's also a great responsibility because when you look at kids growing up and moving through the world, like if you as a teacher and as an adult to them set up a good foundation, then they're gonna stick pretty close to it, right? Will they veer off? Will they do crazy things? Yeah, I mean, how many of us in here haven't done crazy things or stupid things? As adolescents, as young adults, as adults, right? But like the thing we do is we work and we come back to we are growing and learning and we are coming back to God. Just like the Israelites did and just like the people in the Bible do. We're, we're not much different, right? And so the topic of cycles in the Bible, it interconnects with our lives, right? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk through a couple of very specific cycles that have happened in the Bible. So I'm going to read through some things. We'll, you know, if those of you that don't know, like Ryan Detzel, who's the normal teacher on Sundays, and I, we teach a little bit differently. The difference for me and what I really, really like to do that, that I'm passionate about is I love to just grab big chunks of the Bible and say, hey, we're going to read like 10, 15 verses because in a lot of these cases, it's going to speak for itself, right? And, and that's the style that I like to go through is, hey, let's talk about something 
and understand, well, what does the Bible say about this, and what can we learn from what the Bible says about it? So we're going to start off at the very beginning, believe it or not. So there's a lot of different cycles that are, that are created on earth, and those are all designed by God, and they were designed from the beginning. It's not that God said, hey, like, we built this earth, but now we have to have cycles. Immediately, when God created the earth, he created these cycles. So we see a lot of these all the time, right? We see day, and we see night, every day. We see spring, summer, fall, winter, every year, without fail. We see plants grow, we see plants die. God moves quickly in our story to create cycles and rhythms. So let's read right at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis 1-1 and read, read quite a bit of that chapter. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, so we've got nothing. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So right at the beginning, we have nothing, right? We've got a shape, we've got something, and God's there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called that light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So we were at the first day on earth. Already got a cycle, right? We've got day and night, dark and light. Did God have to do that when he made the earth? No, right? I mean, we wouldn't know any better if it was always day or if it was always night. We know because God created that cycle. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water from under the vault and the water from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Still, same cycle from the very beginning. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land to bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. So as he's creating, still a cycle. Every day, day and night, day and night. Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. So you can see really, really clearly, like everything that God's doing, 
is a cycle. It's a cycle. We have day, we have night, we have plants, we have earth, we have seas. So something really interesting about the seas. So I listen to like way too many podcasts when I go running, and the things that I like to listen to are things about history. And so sometimes what you'll learn is that like the seas and the land over time have interacted differently, right? So there'll be spaces on Earth where it used to be land, and divers will go down there and they're like, oh my gosh, we can see these giant cities or these places that used to be here, wherein this was land. And there's also spots on the Earth that used to be sea that are now land. And you can go through and you can say, hey, like this used to be here and this used to be here, and oh my gosh, this was this was there water here? Because we can see all these water animals that are you know, deep in the earth. So you can see even the land and the sea kind of cycle around. It's interesting to think about that. So again, this is the foundation, right? When we look at things in the Bible, when we look at things, when you see the very beginning of something, that's the design, right? The design is for a cycle. And these cycles, again, without fail, right? Day and night. Every single day, for every single day the earth has been here. Every single year the earth has been here, there's been spring, summer, fall, winter. Without fail. It's perfect. So there's a lot of parallels between the cycles of nature and the spiritual seasons we experience in our lives. So if you think about it, think of spring, right? Maybe you become a new Christian, you're starting to grow, you're like that plant that's growing. The rain comes, you grow, you grow, you grow. Summer comes. Things are getting a little hard, right? Because summer's hot. I mean, again, we're in Cincinnati. Sometimes it's awful in the summer. Let's just be real. And then the fall comes, right? There's a bit of death that happens in the fall. And then the winter comes. We can experience winters in our spiritual lives where we're like, listen, this is hard. I don't feel anything. Nothing's going on. But then before you know it, spring's back and you're back to that growth phase again. It's really, really normal. In those hard seasons, the two things that I think are super, super important for us to have is trust and patience. Because in our brains, we have to kind of know and understand that like, if we're doing the right things, if we're moving forward, if we're working to be close to God, we're gonna get out of that winter cycle and spring is gonna come again. Because just like the day and the night come all of the time, this cycle too will change. You hear people say a lot, this too will pass. They always say it when something really crappy is going on. And so you never want to hear it when somebody says, oh, this too shall pass. It's like, well, yeah, but it still sucks, right? Like, I'm not going to tell you that a spiritual winter isn't horrible. It's hard, right? But when somebody says this too shall pass, they're trying to be encouraging to say, hey, remember that it's going to get better. Spring is going to come. we got to hold out just a little bit longer. So next I want to move a little bit further forward in time in the Old Testament. Because we've kind of established that initial basic rhythm of days and nights and seasons and earth and sky and all that stuff. In the Old Testament, the recurring theme you see throughout the entire thing, and I'm sorry if you've not read the whole Old Testament, I'm going to ruin all of it for you, But it's too late for spoiler alert on that one. Old Testament, you're going to see recurring themes. You're going to see sin, repentance, restoration. Sin, repentance, restoration. 
Like, that's what you're going to see the entire time. Like, I'm, I'm serious. If you go through and read the books of First and Second Kings, you will see that the entire time. There's a king. He's like, yay, I love God. I'm awesome. And he's like, but now I'm a king, and I can do whatever I want. So then there's the sin. And then he's like, ah, oh, this was bad. I did bad things. And then he's no longer a king for whatever reason. And then there's a new king. And what does the new king say? I love God. This is great consistent theme throughout all of that book and it's it's just so crazy to read it so i want to talk through part of exodus right now so i know a lot of us are pretty familiar with some of these stories which is great but i want you to think about them in terms of these cycles so plagues of egypt we're good there right we've learned those we've seen them 10 plagues because pharaoh wouldn't let the people go so i feel like i'm a little familiar with the plagues of Egypt right now, because we've gotten at least two of them in our house. We've gotten a, a little flood in our basement earlier this year because our sump pump stopped working, didn't do its job. So we've got the, the flooding, right? And then we also had bees. Have you ever had bees like try to invade your house? It was insane. There was like a giant swarm of bees outside the back of our house for a couple days. They were like coming in the bricks. They were going in like the, the can lights in our kitchen. They were coming out and they were they were honeybees, so I was trying to like capture them because I don't want to kill them because honeybees are good and we want more of them, but I don't want more of them in my house. Um, and so I'm like capturing these bees with a thin cutting board and a Tupperware and like running outside, so go away, bee. Um, and then all of a sudden they were gone. Like two days later they were like, mm, we don't want to live here. And so when that happened, <coughs> they, were, they were coming through our lights in our kitchen. So we're like, how do we like not have them come through our lights? So we put like, it's like Ziploc bags and tape and like taped the Ziploc bag to the light after we took the light bulb out so they couldn't get through. But then you could like see the bees like piling up in there trying to get in our house. And then some of them, of course, died because they couldn't get out because apparently bees are not super smart and they try to go to the light all the time. And when they can't get to the light, they don't like know to go back where they came from. And so they just like tried to get out and, and perished in the process. But then, like, and my wife took a video of me. <laughs> I'm taking the tape off of these, and there's, like, 20 bees, like, dead in there. And I, like, screamed like a baby when they fell out on me, even though I knew they were all dead. I was just like, duh, bees. So, but, like, we've gotten these plagues in our house. And it's, like, I think back to the Egyptians and, like, the locusts they got and, like, the blood and the water and all that stuff. Like, I mean, are you serious? Like, you're just like, hey, like, this is going on, but, like, they don't seem all freaked out. They're just like, nope, this is what we're going to do. We don't care. And I'm like, if I saw some of the things they saw, I'd be like, cool, you can go now because I don't even care how valuable you are. I don't want to deal with this, right? Locusts destroying all their crops. I mean, come on. So this story in the history of the Israelites takes place not that long after they were slaves in Babylon. So there was a time where they were captured by the Babylonians they were like, oh, gosh, we're slaves. And then they became not slaves, and they were free for a while. And then they became slaves again to the Egyptians. So when they were slaves to the Egyptians, they, they worked a lot. They built things. They did a lot of what we kind of see of ancient Egypt. Like, they built a lot of that stuff. And so, but they were in slavery again. You kind of see a theme, right? Israelites... Doing good, doing good, doing good, something happens and then they become slaves. Doing good, doing good, doing good, something happens, they get conquered and become slaves again. Again, 
a theme and a cycle in their history. So Moses is there. He's talking to Pharaoh. He's like, hey, you need to let everybody go. These are my people. We would like to leave. I'm going to ask politely. So he did. And he said, can we go? And Pharaoh said, of course not, because we're using all of your people to build things, and we need you because it's cheaper to have you do it than it is to have our people do it, right? So then Moses is like, cool. He talks to God, and they're like, plagues. Through all of it, ten plagues happen. Every time, Pharaoh's like, nope, nope, nope. Not letting you go. Don't care. Good luck, but not happening. So finally, the last plague that comes when all the firstborn children in Egypt die, with the exception of those who followed God's instructions to put the blood around the door so that the spirit would pass over, that's when Pharaoh kind of got it. He was like, okay, so this is really an issue now, right? Of course, most of the Israelites were okay because they listened to God, they paid attention, they did the right thing, right? So then they go, right? And as we all know, in the epic scene of Moses and the Israelites leaving, Pharaoh decides, no, actually, I don't want to let you go. So he starts chasing them. So they get cornered at the Red Sea. Moses is allowed to part the Red Sea. So the Red Sea parts. They're all walking through. And then Pharaoh's like, we're going to chase them through this. And I'm like, again, I'm thinking, to me, like, if I'm seeing this in real life, and there's a dude that walks up to a giant lake and makes the water go out of the way so his people can walk, I'm like, cool, I think we're done here because I'm probably going to lose, right? But no, Pharaoh's stubborn, right? So his army charges full force in. And we know what happens, right? Israelites get to safety. Moses goes, sea goes back, Pharaoh's army dies, right? So Israelites win, which is great. So we're thinking, okay, we're in the redemption part of this cycle because we are. But let's look at the Israelites, like literally in the Bible, immediately after this, okay? So Exodus 16, 1 through 3. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin or Sin, not like Sin, like doing bad things, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. After all they just saw God do, they started complaining again. <sighs> Anybody have kids? You know how this feels. You're like, I just fed you, and now you want a snack? Or we just did this really cool thing, and now you're complaining. Like, come on. That's the Israelites, but that's also us, right? There's so many examples of this cycle throughout the Bible. The great news about this, though, is that's a cycle that gets broken, right? Because that's not a great cycle to be in, right? We don't want that cycle where we need to always be redeemed because we're doing stupid things and we don't want this like consistent major intervention where we got to part the Red Sea to save our people, right? It's not something we want to have happen every day, right? Remember John 3.16, right? This is where the cycle gets broken. For God so loved the world, gave his only son. Whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. That's where the cycle gets broken is by Jesus, he comes in and he says, hey, 
you people have been consistently terrible. You've been consistently cycling through all this stuff. And we have to keep intervening, like the flood, right? This parting of the Red Sea. And then the story we we're just talking about, you know, God gives them manna and quail from heaven. He gives them food from heaven and they still complain, right? Like, oh, we don't like this bird food anymore. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat this bread anymore. Like, you're getting bread and birds from heaven given to you by God and you are complaining? Like, just consistently, right? I, I just, but we do the same thing. And so God comes and says, listen, I'm going to sacrifice my son to end this. This is the last Huge intervention until things are all the way done, right? So I want you to take a minute and kind of reflect on your personal journey of faith and the cycles you've experienced. As you're thinking about that, think about the patterns of spiritual growth you've seen in your life, including those seasons you've had of doubt, of testing, perseverance, and breakthrough. It's really, really important to stay in your faith during those times. I know it's super hard. Again, like this too shall pass, right? It's easy to say when you're not in it, right? But knowing that God is working together or working all things together for good is where we're at here. We've got destructive cycles in our lives, right? People struggle with addiction, unhealthy relationships and patterns of sin, right? We all do. We've all got something. It's no secret. In the Bible, we got people like that too. People that we see as heroes, right? We think Noah's a hero, right? Noah was a drunk and did some really dumb things when he was drunk. Moses, eh, Moses is pretty good. He got to part the Red Sea. Moses killed a guy and buried him in the sand in Egypt, right? David, great king, in the line of Jesus, one of Jesus' forefathers, he took a man's wife, got her pregnant, sent that dude to the front line of a battle so he would die. You kidding me? Like, these dudes are kind of messed up, right? Paul, even in the New Testament, notorious tax collector, probably killed a ton of Jewish people. He was like one of the main dudes that wrote half the New Testament, right? Okay, like we got some issues here, but God uses these people. They go through these cycles just like us. They went through the bad cycles and came out good on the other side. When we're working to break those destructive cycles, we got to include God. We got to seek His help. We've got to seek accountability, and we've got to embrace new habits that are lined up with God's Word. Just because we're doing the right things doesn't mean everything's always going to go right. But if you look at your cycle, you spend a lot of time in the bad back here without God, and you finally get to the good, maybe just by sheer luck or chance. So you're going through those circles, get a little smaller and a little smaller to where the bad part and the lower part of the cycle doesn't last as long because you're focused in the right direction. So at the end, right, for us, there's an amazing eternal cycle that takes place for us as believers. We live, right? It's a great thing. Ultimately, all of us face death at some point. But then in the end, we're resurrected to spend eternity with Jesus, right? That's the best part of that cycle, right? We have a lot of hope in Jesus' victory over death because he rose from the dead. He conquered death, the unconquerable thing. 
and he promised us eternal life. Again, back in John 3, 16. Because of Jesus, these bad cycles, these crappy things we deal with every day, get broken. They get changed. Because of Jesus, that happens. Those cycles are going to go away, and new and perfect cycles can be created. So I want to encourage you all to live in light of that ultimate cycle, where we know at the end of the cycle, there's light, there's resurrection, there's safety, there's being with Jesus. That's the cycle we're in, right? So every day, think about that. Think about that positive end of the cycle. So I'm going to pray. We're going to wrap up. God, thank you for today, and thank you for the design you've put on the earth. Thank you for the cycles you've designed so that in some ways we know what to expect, but in other ways we can be encouraged to know what's coming. Help us all to learn the cycles that we see in our lives, and when things aren't going right, help us to turn to you and help us to turn to the people that can help us break that cycle. We all need you. We all need other people. Open our eyes to recognize that that's what we need. Keep us safe today and allow us all to enjoy the beautiful weather that you've created in this cycle called spring. Amen. All right. Prayer team should be up here if you need prayer or anything. We'll see you all next week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.